Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Chuck, good morning, man. It sounds like you didn't have to sleep on a cot in Bud Walton Arena last <laughs> night. You made it home, buddy. Yeah, everything was all right. I mean, it was okay after the game. It was, um, you know, slushy, and there was snow. You had to take it slow, but not too bad. Hey, what a great crowd last night. I mean, what a great crowd. I know they scanned. I think they scanned about 10,500 tickets, and that's, uh, that's a big crowd on a night like that. And I, I saw it was a great night, great atmosphere. We had a lot of snow my freshman year of college, and one of the things I do remember is when there was a basketball game, everyone went. It was just like there's nothing else to do really on campus, like go. And I thought it was, Chuck, and I don't know if you got this officially, I was told that they were moving some people in the upper deck down. They did. Okay. What they did, initially they had the upper deck closed off. And basically they told people with upper deck tickets, go find a seat, and if somebody comes with that ticket, move. Well, I think by the end of the night, they had gotten so full down below, they did open up the upper deck because there were some people sitting up there, a pretty good number of people sitting up there You know, by the time they got into the game. So it was uh, – I knew we'd have a big crowd. I, I've, been, I've been to snow games there before. People act like we've never driven in snow before. People know how to drive in snow. They wanted to go watch the Razorbacks play. So I think those in the immediate area, I don't know how many people traveled – but I think in the immediate area, I think it was probably a Fayetteville, Springdale, Rogers, Bentonville crowd primarily last night. And it was a good crowd. Tommy, want to know those pink uniforms, man? Hey, I, you know, I, some people, and I don't think it's a lot, made a big deal out of that going into the game. I, you know, I don't know that the uniforms had anything to do with it, but I thought it was a unique look, and it, it uh, you know, hopefully it, it created the awareness they were looking for. And I, I thought it was a shame, though, that, uh, all you know, going to honor Danielle Musselman, what the night was supposed to be about, then the weather kind of got in the way. That, that that was the shame of it. Well, let me tell you though, inside the arena, I can just tell you this: down on the floor last night, it was no different than any other ball game, because on the floor you can't see the upper deck anyway for the lights, and the noise level was good. I mean, the noise level was good last night, and it. Um, um, Honestly, I thought people made too much of the weather before the game, to be real candid with you. I knew people would be there. And um, let me tell you, a lot of people, when it's a perfect night weather-wise, would love to have over 10,000 people in their arena. I mean, you think about what the weather was like last night, how many people came to watch them play. I mean, that's, um, that's, a, that, that's a big testament to your fan base right there. Isn't that crazy what Chuck just brought up? And I don't think we put this in perspective enough. A bad night. Fayetteville, Arkansas, and Bud Walton Arena is 10,000 seats when they're filled around that. Now, we know a great night is when they busted 20K last year against Auburn, but, I mean, you look at the other SEC venues, they don't even get past 10,000 capacity. Some don't even have 10,000. That's what I'm saying. That's what's crazy. You don't even have enough seats, and 
I, I kind of like you're saying, Chuck, it's not, it wasn't a bad crowd last night. We just kind of have to sometimes put in perspective what Fayetteville is relative to the other SEC schools you go up against. Well, I mean, you know, this is a basketball crazy state. I mean, we love basketball, and we're going to go watch them play. And you've got enough population base. One of the things that I think people have to think about when they talk about snow crowds as opposed to what they once were, the immediate area is so much larger now. You've got so many, so many more people from which to draw from now as opposed to 20 years ago even. And uh, so when you have a game like this, I mean, you know, you've got uh, – what, half a million people? I mean, it didn't take that many to get 10,000 in a place. And um, so uh, I just thought it was it was a good night. It was a fun night. People will remember that night. They may not remember all the details of the game, but they'll remember driving home, and they'll remember what it looked like when they walked out of the arena because it was a lot different than when they walked in. Well, I was telling a story yesterday, and you may remember this game. You may not. Back at Barnhill, I was a kid, and... They played Bethune-Cookman, and when someone offered you tickets, you went. While we were in the game, we knew it was going to snow, but it snowed <laughs> like, I don't know, it seemed like a foot to me as the, at the time, but it was probably six or eight inches, but it took forever to get down the old 71 to get home. But that's a memory I'll never forget. My dad took me and my brother and one of his close friends, and we went to the game because Barnhill was hard to get into at that time, so you went regardless of the weather, and uh, you know, and it was a full house that night. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, sometimes when winter weather comes in, I mean, you know, I get excited about snow, too. I'm not going to lie. I'm like a little kid. But, you know, we make it sound like it's never snowed before. This is going to be the snow to end all snows. And uh, you're going to be paralyzed for three days. And um, it's okay. I mean, right now, it's 32 degrees in Fayetteville right now. The roads are not great, but they'll get better as the morning goes on. There are people driving to work right now. So, I mean, it's... uh, um, you know, like I say, I, I, I thought it was a good crowd. People wanted to come watch the game, and they weren't going to let snow get in the way. So what happened to LSU in your estimate in the first half? 12% shooting. They were just dreadful offensively, 3 of 25. They, even with good looks, they couldn't get it to go down. You know, they didn't really get that many good looks in the first half. That's the thing we were kind of talking about coming into the second half was that, you know, it wasn't like they were getting great looks and just missing shots. I mean, if you go back and watch that first half, I don't know that I've seen one team guard another team with the intensity that Arkansas guarded LSU. I don't know that I've ever seen a team shoot three for 25 and a half. Uh, Maybe once or twice. I don't recall right off the top of my head. They were having to work for every pass. They don't have any guards. You know, Justice Hills left the team, and when Arkansas played him down there, I think he had like, you know, maybe five assists, something like that. I mean, he was the floor general. And they don't have a floor general right now. Uh, they've got a guy that's replaced. Well, Justice Williams has replaced Justice Hill, and he's uh, you know he's just not he's just not a great point guard, frankly. And um, I thought they had trouble getting into their offense all night. I thought Arkansas's guards were so much better than LSU's last night that uh, that's why we saw what we saw. I mean. Um, you know, in the first half, what was it? I think at one point it was 38 to 13. <laughs> Muss is still trying to get to the ref. It's 38 to 13. <laughs> oh, I know it. But, but uh, got a thought um, on that. <laughs> you know, it, uh, um, but they just, I mean, there was an intensity there. There was an edge. LSU talked a lot, I guess, down there in Baton Rouge. I was at the Liberty Bowl that night, and I know Anthony Black and some of the other players talked about it before and after the game. How they were a little too active on Twitter, and said some things they didn't like and so they were kind of geared up for this and 
Um, I thought Muss's intensity in the first half and the defensive intensity in the first half, I, th- I just thought that's what won the night. Devo Davis, 40 minutes, 7 of 8 from the floor, made 2 of 2 at the free throw line, 16 points last night, and, oh, by the way, 7 rebounds and 3 assists to go along with that and only 2 turnovers. That's a hell of a line, Chuck. Devo's the key to me. I mean, and I've thought that for a year and a half. Um, Devo's the key. He's the one that's got to be the leader. He's the one that's got to take this team over, put him on his shoulders. He's got to be the leader on the floor. He's got to be the leader off the floor. There may be better players. I mean, there may be better players out there. I don't know. But um, Devo's got to be the one. They'll go, you know, they'll go where he leads them. And there may be, you know, he may not be the leading scorer, but he's going to be the leader of that team. And he is the leader of that team, whether he wants to be or not. And um, I think, you know, right now, I, I I think Devo's more comfortable in his own skin right now than I've seen him since he's been here. He's the only player on this team that's played meaningful minutes in the most meaningful games. And uh, he's the one that's got to take you there. And I think right now he's playing like that. I think he's accepted the responsibility. I think there, with that responsibility comes things that happen off the floor. I think he's stepping up there and the way he's preparing. Um, he's playing his best basketball of the season right now. And, I mean, it's time for the leader of your team to lead. And I think I think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing that the last couple of games. You think about what's on his plate. Devontae, you got to guard the best player, unless it's a post guy, every game. Oh, you got to handle the ball more. We're trying to get Anthony off-ball and more off-ball action. And you've got to knock down more shots. We need you to be in the gym more. He's executed the... Defending the best guys since he's been here, and really, especially this season. We're seeing he's going to the gym two or three times a day. He's talked about that. Muss has talked about that. And then just his three-point shooting. Guys, he was shooting 17% at one point this season. He goes two for two last night, as you said, Tommy. I mean, he is, and it's not like he's taking these pull-up, like, crossover threes. He's doing it within the framework of the offense, as you always talk about. I don't mind if he shoots contested pull-ups inside the three-point line, Chuck, but he's taking good looks, too. That's what's also important. Well, everything's within the framework of the offense. You know, the offense is working better, and so the shots are better. Uh, you know, the shots that you get are better. He's made eight threes in the last three games, and, you know, you can't ask for much more than that. Now, look, I don't operate under any illusion that, you know, Ole Miss and LSU is going to be like playing Kentucky and Tennessee or going to Tuscaloosa or even Texas A&M. Um, these are two of the you know bottom feeders in our league right now doesn't mean they will be forever but they are now and i, I you know that's not lost on me i'll be honest but um i think that you know they're setting themselves up right now to be pretty good in february um they've they've you know they've dealt with a lot of stuff i mean they really have and i i just feel like right now they're beginning to settle in and play and um their defensive intensity is what's going to you know, that's going to be the key to the whole thing. And, you know, by the time we got to the second half last night, I mean, we can talk about the run LSU made. It was a run, but they never got it to single digits. And, you know, when you play like that for 20 minutes, you're going to win the game most of the time. Tommy, do we hear – Chuck's not going to say this, but do we hear Z say Threevo Davis at some point if he keeps knocking Ooh. him down? That's that's the know. new nickname. I know Chuck's not going to say that. Do we hear Z say that at some point on the broadcast? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I have to ask him. That's a good line, though. Three, I, I could see Z putting that in there at some point in time if, if Devo keeps knocking down shots. Now, the, talking about the test, the test these last two games haven't been as easy. Devo is going to have to do a lot. He's going to have to guard Keontae George, LJ Cryer, 
uh, Flagler and, in addition to Lakeston Love. I mean, they're, they're going to have a guard matchup this Saturday in Waco, Texas. It is not easy traveling to the Farrell Center this Saturday. No, I mean, Baylor's good. Baylor's good. Baylor beat Kansas Monday night, and Baylor's rolling right now. And it'll be a, it'll be a tough ball game. You know, I'd love to see Arkansas go down there and win that game. And I think they'll go down there and be competitive, and I think they'll go down there and have a chance to win. But, you know, um, I really focus on the conference games right now. Um, and you've got to beat some of the teams that they're playing right now if you're going to climb back into it. Um, their, their, their ultimate success in terms of the postseason and in terms of, you know, getting to where they want to be, tournament, seed line, whole deal – uh, that's going to be more determined by what you do in the league than anywhere else. It's an important game. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not minimizing it at all. But um, you know, it comes at a time when you're between home league games, and mm-hmm. I guess we'll see what happens. You got A and M next week, and then you go to Columbia, which is a winnable yeah. game against South Carolina. After that's that, a, that's a can't lose game with their mm-hmm. where their net rankings at, but. This Saturday feels like a free shot for me. I mean, you're going down there. I don't know. That's how, many, how I view it. That's I how I view it. I don't think many people, if if you pay attention to college basketball, mm-hmm. are expecting the Razorbacks to go down there and win. To me, it feels like you're walking into a tough situation, but you got nothing to lose, and it's a huge opportunity to really, I mean, put put your best resume win so far this season, and possibly, I mean, you still got. You still got Alabama one more time. You got Tennessee. You got two with Kentucky. But this may be, uh, you know, next to Alabama and Tennessee, you're probably your best road win. And by the time the season's over, Baylor may prove to be just as good as, as Bama and Tennessee. Maybe. I mean, it could, uh, you know, it could certainly turn out that way. Baylor's playing well right now. Yeah. So it's yeah, a great I mean, shot. A, you know, well, it's kind of like we were talking, you know, a couple of days ago that, you know, a win like this is the difference in a seed line. Yeah. I mean, that's the or difference two. in a seed line uh, when you when you get to the NCAA tournament, no matter where you are. I mean, winning a game like that could turn out that way. But you just got to go down there and play. And I will say this. You know, a week or two ago, you look at the schedule, and it's like, they're going to go to Baylor, and they're going to get drilled. But now, after these last couple of ball games, I don't think they're going to go down there and get drilled. Um, I think they're going to go down there and have a chance to win. I don't know if they will, but I think they'll go down there and have a chance to win. But, hey, those of you who are thinking about buying or selling a home in 2023, maybe your circumstances changed in 2022, I want to recommend Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, to you. And I want to tell you why. I partnered with them twice, once to sell a home, once to buy a home. Both times, they knew all the things I didn't know, which was an awful lot. And that's what you want when you buy or sell. You want someone on your side of the table who understands all the things you don't understand, who can answer all the questions that you have. That's what a trained real estate professional does. When you've got the best training in the business, you know all the answers to all those questions. You understand the market. You know how to negotiate. And ultimately, you know how to get from contract to close. Because whether you're a buyer or a seller, that's the ultimate destination. And that's what they do better than anybody else. You're going to find an office in Fayetteville. They're in Springdale. They're in Bentonville. Got a great location in Fort Smith. They're in Branson, Missouri. And, of course, as always, you can log on to WeikertGriffin.com. The tail end of Monday's show, we got an update from Matt Zenitz. It looked like Deron Wilson was going to be named as the Arkansas Razorback secondary coach. He named him. Coach Pittman named him that officially yesterday. I know that contract had probably been put out. But he was an analyst at Florida. He's coached at McNeese State, UTSA. Uh, Chuck, what do you think about the track record that they brought in uh, for the new corner, excuse me, secondary coach? 
I don't know anything about him. That's just the most honest thing I can tell you. Um, I'm going to trust Sam Pittman that he's hired a good cornerbacks coach. He obviously, you know, talked to guys that he was interested in, and this one stood out. And um, you know, we'll uh, you know we'll we'll find out how he recruits, which is very very important. And uh, obviously, we'll see how his group plays as we get to next season. But, um, you know, he um, I trust him to bring in the right guys. And even though this may not be a household name, um, he obviously sees something there, feels like he can do what he needs to have done, or he wouldn't have hired him. It's pretty good Southern Miss. Played pretty recently. 2010-2012 had, a, I think, an ankle injury that sidelined him his senior season. But he Pretty yeah. decent young guy. You're seeing Sam go pretty young on some of these hires. Well, that probably puts him in his early 30s, I would I would presume. I haven't seen how old he is, but I'm going to guess 30, 32, somewhere in there. And I think you got to have a good mix of those guys that maybe, you know, we we presume are a little more relatable to today's recruit. And I think you're seeing more coordinators that are that are climbing the ladder at the, at, at the Power 5 level in their early 30s. I, I don't think there's anything wrong. In fact, I think it's desirable, Chuck, to have guys in that age group. Well, I think you're going to see as we move forward in the era of NIL and transfer portals and things like that, there is going to be um, there's going to be a real emphasis put on your ability as a recruiter. You know, you think about the way you you know put together a college football team now. You don't always have two, three years of coaching and developing. You know, the way that we once did. Um, if you've got an immediate need, you go get somebody out of the portal. You know, you go pluck somebody. And, you know, I'm not in any way, shape, or form minimizing on-field coaching. But I'm saying that I believe it has changed. Because your group, you know, if you're rebuilding a group now, you know, you don't go into it with the idea, all right, I've got to coach a bunch of puppies for a year or two. I mean, I've got to keep in mind every day I'm coaching puppies. Uh, now, I mean, you go out and get a fourth-year guy. You go get a fifth-year guy. You're refining what somebody else has already coached. Yeah. So it's I do think the way that you go, I, I, I'm not out there, but I can't help but believe that the way you coach and the way you develop your group, your mindset has to change because the way you attract personnel changes. Yeah. I thought it's also been interesting. I don't know all the details, but I've seen just enough on Facebook and Twitter to make me dangerous on this, but... A lot of the, a lot of the recruits in the twenty-four, five, six class down the road have all been in recently to visit with a new offensive coordinator and Dan Eos. I, I presume that's why they're there to see these new coaches. So you're seeing an effort from this recruiting staff and the people behind them, the support staff, um, you know, to get these these guys on to cre- to start developing these relationships with the Dan Enos or Woodson or Williams and all these guys that are new to the staff. I think the key word there's relationship. Yep. We get hung up, way too hung up on philosophy and all this kind of stuff, and we just eat it up because it makes us feel like a smarter fan when we do. But the truth of the matter is a lot of this stuff many, many times is based on a coach has recruited a player so well that he can't tell him no. He can't tell him no. Sam said that before. Hey, you know, and, and – um, Quinn Grovey, I, and I've told this story before. Quinn Grovey told me one of the hardest things he ever had to do in football was call Lewis Campbell when he was a coach at Oklahoma State and tell him he wasn't coming. You know, he was an assistant on the staff then, and he was recruiting Quinn when Ken Atfield was recruiting him for Arkansas, and Oklahoma was recruiting him too. And he said the hardest thing I had to do was call Lewis Campbell and tell him I wasn't coming. And, you know, that's, that's where you want to be as a recruiter. 
I why, mean, why do you, you want Jim, it to be really hard for him to call and say, Coach, I ain't coming. Why do you think Jim Harbaugh's having sleepovers? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if he could put him in the trunk of the car like the old days, man, hide him out, he'd do it. They all would. Yeah, Likeability. It, it might, it's your number one value, particularly as a well, uh, college football coach. You kids, better be likable. You can't fool kids. We think we can. You can't fool kids. They know when you care about them, and they know when you don't. And if they don't think you care about them, you're not in the game. I thought it was funny when Sam Pittman was talking about that, Chuck. He said when he gets a FaceTime, it's usually good news. When he just gets a call, it's it's not <laughs> it's not always the uh, not always the good it's news. It's like breaking up via text, man. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's just kind of how it goes sometimes. Yeah. They uh, yeah they they've been working, and I think a lot of people. You, you, you were telling us this a month ago because people were freaking out because they did lose a lot portal wise and some guys played some guys didn't they've really had I me mean, you look on the 24 7 sports rankings the on three rankings arkansas is pretty high up in the portal rankings on that and you're just hoping these guys mesh have a good spring have a good fall ball and get ready for an sec season ahead you know it's a uh, um this portal thing for fans i know is a roller coaster because none of us and i include myself in this we don't understand all the ins and outs of it yet uh, we don't understand everything that goes on in a kid's mind when he makes a decision to enter the portal. Um, and just the way the timing of it's set up, as we've talked, I mean, uh, you're going to lose guys before you gain guys. If you're going to gain a portal guy, it means he's got to leave somewhere else first. And while he's leaving his place, you got guys leaving your place. And it settles. And it's still settling. It's not settled yet. I mean, there are more commitments coming in last few days, and there's going to be, I suspect, as we move forward, more than this here and other places too so um you know you just gotta wait till it all plays out i i think more than ever now more than ever get your get your roster august 1st <laughs> because you're not going to know the full deal until then we're reacting to the higher we're reacting to the game last night if you want to chime in this morning it's 877-377-6963 charlie and camden wants to talk about the foot or excuse me the basketball game last night charlie got about a minute man go ahead Yep, huge win last night. Uh, great win. Great bounce back from Ricky. I know he didn't shoot the ball well, but was happy for him. He got on the glass. I think that was part of the reason why he didn't uh, play as much the last game and then Joseph was hot. So happy for him. And Devo, it's crazy to think, guys, that Devo's really turning into that vocal guy. And for him to call a timeout <laughs> and must hate timeouts, we all know that. It was funny to me because uh, – you know, it's just it, it goes to show you how much Musk believes in him and his leadership and everything, and to allow his players that freedom to do that and not get upset. It just goes to show you what Devo's kind of become for this team, and uh, we needed it. And thankfully, he's starting to turn into that. Anyways, guys, I'll hang up and listen. Appreciate it. Thanks, Charlie. Now, let me say this: I don't think we're going to see Devo be the regular timeout caller. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a regular occurrence. What What it must say post game, guys? He said, "Sometimes I get mad, they get tired," and he added something else on that. But I'm with you. If I would have, with the exception of a jump ball <laughs> or a, I'm going out of bounds. If I would have called a timeout in high school or anything else, my coach would have lit me up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys would have been the same way, but uh, that's Yeah, but you weren't as typical. good as Devo. That's uh, fair. Devo. That's I mean, fair. I know you're good, but that's you, know, fair. you weren't as good as Devo. Pretty good athlete, though. Yeah. Just ask him. He'll tell you, Chuck. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to eSports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. 
Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B L E A V. Bet Online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. All right, so here's our Morning Rush daily question. Great quarterback matchups this weekend. We got Burrow, Mahomes, and then Purdy and Hurts. But guys, what is the best quarterback story heading into this weekend? 877-377-6963. I thought Connor O'Gara illustrated it in a way that was awesome. So you got Mahomes, who was a three-star recruit, playing that gimmicky Texas Tech offense. Burrow had to transfer after not playing behind Barrett. Wasn't going to play behind Dwayne Haskins. Jalen Hurts lost his job in college. And then, Chuck, Brock Purdy was picked last in the NFL draft. What is your best quarterback story heading into the conference championship weekend? Well, it's probably Purdy. I mean, here's the thing, though. You know, we we call him Mr. Irrelevant, but, I mean, you're still a pro football player. I mean, you're still <laughs> being drafted into the highest level of the game. So, these guys can play. But, you know, Purdy, I mean, being the last guy taken in the draft, I mean, I know they're going to make a big deal out of that. And, um, you know, probably justifiably so. I think we also need to make the, the fact that Mahomes looks like Chuck, he's going to gut this thing out this week. And you know, he wants to beat Burrow bad. Like he wants to beat that guy bad in Arrowhead, the energy, the adrenaline he's going to get. I just don't know if it's going to be enough of over a guy that's just playing out of his mind right now. Well, they're both playing really well. I mean, everybody's playing well right now or they wouldn't be there. I, um, I think Cincinnati's got the best defense. Now, whether or not, you know, I would expect a Herculean effort from Mahomes this weekend. I think he'll give just a heroic effort. But I kind of like Cincinnati going on the road there. They're road favorites, Chuck. Two, the two-point favorites on the yeah. Saracen app. And you look at what Cincinnati has done, not just in Arrowhead, but those matchups back-to-back. And not that Josh Allen and Mahomes wouldn't have been great, but Burrow, Mahomes, I, I think the only thing that kind of hinders this matchup is the fact that Mahomes isn't fully healthy. Yeah, but, you know, this is a one-game deal, and I'm sure as the game goes on, he'll probably deteriorate, you know, physically. We'll see the limp more pronounced as the game goes on. He's going to get hit, and they're going to be twisting. They're going to be doing all kinds of stuff to try to get him out of the game, I'm sure. But, you know, I would expect all those guys to play well. I think it'll be a good game, um, you know, and, and – I've just operated under the assumption, I may be wrong, but I've just operated under the assumption whoever won the AFC would would win the Super Bowl. So I guess we'll see. That's going to do it for our Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily Question. Red River Dodge and Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at redriverdodge.com. This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by V's Barbershop with two locations in Rogers and Bentonville. Visit V's Barbershop online at vbarbershop.com or in person and see why V's is a cut above the rest. We're going to get into some Eric Musselman audio coming up, Chuck, but uh, we, we talked about Devo Davis a little bit before. How do you think that how he's played lately has kind of spread to the younger guys and really to the overall quality of the basketball team these last two games? Well, I think he's the leader of this team. And I think that, you know, 
he's going to set the tone for a lot of things. He's the one that's been through it. We're getting to the point in the season now where, you know, the games are meaningful games, and they're going to be really meaningful, you know, as we get closer to the finish line. And he's the one that's played in those games. He's the one that understands all that. And he's the one that's got to lead them through that. And you've got to play well in order to be the most effective leader. I mean, you just do. You can't be a vocal guy in the locker room and then go out there and make a bunch of mistakes because, you know, it doesn't hold water at that point. If you're going to lead, you got to play well while you're doing it. And I think we're seeing that from him right now. Um, you know, this is the, um, I mean, this is, you know, this is the important part of the season coming up. And I think he's gearing up to play his best ball, as he's done. You know, Devo's played his best basketball when, you know, you get to the really meaningful games. And um, that's what they're going to need him to do again. Here's Muss on Devo's stretch as of late. His shot selection's been unbelievable. He's playing the point guard with Anthony. Tonight he was telling us to slow it down and get a good shot and milk the shot clock. And that's maturity on his part. It's him understanding the system understanding what we're looking for down the stretch defensively again it's another level and now offensively he's doing the same exact thing from an offensive standpoint he's doing a good job taking care of the basketball and it's really cool to see growth in his game chuck i know that they were asked him and anthony after the game if this was personal and i know they kind of deviated from that they said that lsu was talking trash a lot and that game tonight felt personal to me watching it well, they wanted to win. I mean, you could see in the intensity right at the start, they wanted to win this game. You know, I mean, paybacks are part of it. I mean, anybody that's ever done anything in sports knows, I mean, paybacks are part of it. <laughs> and last night was a payback, and they got it in the first half. That's for sure. That's great. All right, let's take some calls. 877-377-6963. Sterling's got some thoughts first. Sterling, go ahead, man. You're on the morning rush. Guys, I hope y'all having a, a great morning. And uh, y'all, y'all hit the nail on the head about the about the snow for the kids. I mean, it's very few times I feel sorry for the kids of today, and this is one of those times. AMI days. Are oh, you got to be kidding me? I mean, I don't know if I would cheer for snow days if you had to do homework at home and online, and then you got to get your dad or your mom or your grandma or whoever your uncle to help you, and they don't know what the heck they talking about <laughs> because it doesn't change the math up so much. They don't know how to help. So then you just a fish out of water. But anyway, I digress. But very happy with how the Hogs have played the last couple games. And like Chuck reminded me, we are playing the the bottom of the league right there. But they still hitting shooting the ball better than what they were before. And seeing maybe taking a little bit better spot selection. I mean, even though they playing lesser than, they still playing better. And and that's the, that's the main thing. And and you get the feeling like uh, if we got a chance to get this thing back to where we can make a good run late in the season. And the more I see college basketball, the more I see other teams that can't shoot the ball that well either. So uh, the more I watch, the, the better I feel about our team. And on those stories of the quarterbacks, yeah, it's very, yeah, very good stories all the way around. I, I agree with Chuck that by him being a seventh-round pick, he probably the, the I guess, the Better story, I guess, per se. But, uh, you know, when you think about Joe Burrow and Hurst, these are cats that lost their jobs at the lower level and, and doing playing MVP-type football on the NFL level. I mean, that, just, that just goes to show you how, uh, you know, you, you never can tell how, how these games going to pan out, you know, unless you're me gambling on them. 
but you know, it's only one of them. You know, that's just, you know, he just made one that had this great gambling night or a hot run, whichever way you want to look at it. Either way, I'm riding until, until I crash. So, guys, y'all doing a great job today. Wonderful show. And, uh, y'all be safe out there. Oh, yeah. I like how Chuck and Tommy pretty much said, I can read between the lines. If you find yourself in a ditch today, you just can't drive. Y'all got to <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Great ending to that call, Sterling. We, we appreciate it. Yeah, like you said, a lot of good storylines with the quarterback situations. Chuck, we forget sometimes failure's good sometimes. It motivates you. And it's not like Joe Burrow failed by not starting over JT Barrett or losing out to Dwayne Haskins in the spring or Hurts losing to Tua Tungvaloa. Those are two great college quarterbacks. But, man, I don't think they'd be where they are today without those things occurring in their early football college days. Well, you might be right. I mean, you might be right. I mean, you look at Burrow, and sometimes, you know, a great motivator for people is someone telling them they can't do it. You know, that's um, that's a great motivator for a lot of people. And I don't know that that's what they said. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, all these guys at some point have had somebody probably say to them, you're not the guy. But, um, you know, again, for a lot of people, that is, um, you know, that is a motivator. Let's talk to Woods in Benville. Good morning, Woods. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, I, I will say uh, Chuck was right. Benville schools decided to close early. Um, they they decided that yesterday, and my wife is a middle school principal, and she's probably sleeping until 11 today. Not bad. So, yeah, lucky girl. Um but uh, I know you guys have been talking about Devo, but when I look at the stat line from last night, and I don't know how much you guys have looked at it, but the 10 points, eight boards, and three blocks from Mackay Mitchell, to me that is the kind of production we need out of a guy that is like sort of a rim blocker. Um, if you're going to be a really good basketball team, um, you know, that those are, those are great numbers. Um, hit two of two for, from his free throws, um, uh, which also we hit 75% free throws, which is really good considering what we've done previously. But I didn't know what you guys thought of that. And I know Chuck had front row seat to it, but, um, Devo did have a great game. I'm not discounting that, but. Um, there's there's other guys that are making contributions that That's we hope can, can carry on um, to make this team a great team. So I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great morning. I'll listen. Um, take care. Thanks, Woods. Appreciate it. So Makai Mitchell doesn't get enough credit for what he does. He nearly has a double-double last night. As he had 10 and 8, had three blocks, and really solid in the post. Got a couple good post moves at his arsenal. Uh, Chuck, he, he's not going to be a guy that's averaging 20 and 10 or 20 and 15 like Oscar Shibway at times, but he does a lot of little things for this basketball team that go unnoticed at times. Oh, I think he's a good player. I think he's been a great addition to the team. If, you know, if you'd said going – Going into the season, hey, we're going to have a transfer guy come in. He's 6'9". He's going to go 10, 8, and three blocks in an SEC game. And he's going to do that more than once. 
um, you know, that's a that's the kind of guy you want. Now he's uh he's really good rolling to the rim. I mean he's really good. He's got good hands, good footwork, he's a good defensive player, goes and gets rebounds. Um Makai Mitchell's been a real addition uh, to this team. You're right. I mean, we focused on Devo and and you know, I think and we saw it Monday night. I'm gonna tell you Devo was on Muss's show and we don't have a player that our fans react to the way they do Devontae Davis. And uh, I saw it in Sassy's on Monday night, and I see it every time he's out in public. Um, you know, he stayed and posed for every picture and signed every autograph. And I know that doesn't guarantee that you're going to play well, but I'll go back to what I said a little bit earlier. I think he's very comfortable in his skin right now. And um, these are kids. We forget that. We And they've got the emotions of kids. They're not grown-ups when it comes to their emotions a lot of times. And where their head is, I think, is always one of the really, you know, um, that's one of the underrated factors in how a player plays. You know, what's going on off the floor? How's he processing everything that a 20- or 21-year-old's got to process in their life? How's he doing all that? And I think Devo's doing all that right now. And um, a lot of times the way you play, you know, you see the evidence of that. Hey, let me talk to you just for a minute about V's Barbershop. I know they're going to be talking about the Razorbacks at V's Barbershop today. And, you know, the thing I like about V's, and I think everyone that goes in there, this is what they'll tell you. It's like a nostalgic trip back in time when, you know, a haircut was a ritual. It was a nostalgic experience. There was an old-fashioned hot leather machine. There were straight-edge razor shaves. Uh, there were leather chairs. And, you know, they really do set a standard at V's Barbershop that it's hard to beat. They service all age groups, and it's not just a haircut. There's a lot of things that you know they do in addition to that: uh, mustache trim, beard trim. Uh, they'll shave your neck. They'll shine your shoes. Um, they'll make you feel like a new guy when you walk out of there. And uh, now they've got two locations in Northwest Arkansas. They're just west of 71B in Bentonville on Southwest 14th Street. They're in Rogers at the Pleasant Crossing Shopping Center. If you're in Little Rock, there are two locations, Cantrell Road and Chanel Parkway. And as always, you can log on to vbarbershop.com. Another weather update this morning. This comes from Fayetteville, that the roads on MLK are clear. Chuck, it really seems like, based on the text that we received, that there has been a lot of snow, but it doesn't seem like it's translating to ice and the roads being slick. Still be safe out there, but it doesn't seem to be that bad. Well, I'll be interested to see tonight after all this melt today and it gets a little colder tonight what happens on the refreeze. But, you know, I think this morning, based on everything that I'm hearing, at least in northwest Arkansas, that, um, you know, if you'll take it easy, you'll be all right. This was a wet snow. It's really pretty on the trees and the houses. Um, I mean, it looks like a winter wonderland in Fayetteville this morning, but the roads are not that bad. Uh, they weren't that bad last night after the game, and if you'll take your time this morning, you'll be all right. I don't know who's excited more about the snow, the dogs or the kids, because they both take out. Dogs love it. Yeah, they love uh, they love hitting that snow. Again, our number, 877-377-6960. Let's talk to Ryan, who's in Hot Springs this morning. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, guys. Ryan, how are the going? roads in Hot Springs? You guys get anything? Are you kidding? We got rain. Really? <laughs> Brutal. My wife, oh, is, my wife is not happy about that situation either. She's wanting a free school day. Um, but, uh, you know, like last night, I was actually listening to the call last night, Chuck. I was actually going over uh, Lake Hamilton whenever you made the call that uh, uh, Devo called that timeout. And then, like, immediately we got a score off of it. I was thinking as soon as I had him, I said, that, that's probably Devo's best uh, move of the night. I know he has made some great shots, but. 
that got us back under control and we got a score that we badly needed. And I thought that was his, his best move of the night. And um, I'll go the, for the, the quarterbacks. I think nobody's really talking about this. Is Last year in the Super Bowl, uh, Joe Burrow needed like just a little over a second or two seconds to, to make a throw to Jamar Chase that he wasn't able to complete because of uh, how bad his offensive line was. And he saw Jamar streaking down the sideline for uh, a wide, you know, being wide open. And I, I think uh, I think that's got him highly motivated to get back to the Super Bowl and kind of avenge that situation. Um, that's kind of my thoughts. And I hope you all have a great day and uh, go Hawks. Aaron Donald kept Joe Burrow from winning the Super Bowl last year. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he was in the backfield all night. Now, the Bengals, if you remember, they're without three of their starting offensive linemen. One guy I know they drafted, a couple other guys. I think one other guy they traded for and another guy they've had. So Joe Burrow has had to do all of this, Chuck, without really his main protection in front of him. And that I know KC's going to be gunning for him. Jones, Clark, uh, you got to have safety blitzes and all this stuff. Spagnola's going to dial it up this weekend because he knows that Burrow has time with Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Hurst. They're going to get carved apart. Well, I'm sure they will throw a lot of things at him. I, I'm a little less concerned about the offensive line than maybe some. I think these guys are pro football players, and I think they're, um, you know, you're not um, – Generally speaking, in the pros, when you replace a guy, you don't replace him with a guy that hasn't played much. Um, not always, but, I mean, these are pros, and they'll be fine in that area. Yeah, they'll they'll throw a lot of things at him. I've got no doubt about that. Cincinnati will throw a lot of things at Mahomes. You know, if I was playing Mahomes, I'd sure want to make him move around as much as he could, or as much as I could, you know, uh, on that ankle. So I think both these, both these coordinators are probably going to, you know, they're going to put a lot of pressure on the other guy. Let's come back to basketball. So Devo Davis last night talks about kind of the struggles they had, and he said, believe this team is destined for greatness. I don't know if I'm willing to get out on that ledge with him just yet, but you have seen an injection of confidence that he's providing with the rest of the team. They're 3-5 and five in conference play right now, back-to-back SEC wins, albeit against some of the worst teams in the league. I don't know if they initially have to win on Saturday, Chuck, but I do expect a solid performance. And the kicker on this A.B.'s going against the school his dad played for in the Baylor Bears, which I thought was going to be an interesting storyline heading into this game. Yeah, maybe, you know, that, that, that might have something to do with his motivation, might. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys playing well. I mean, it's not just Devo. It's not just A.B. I mean, you know, Woods brought up Mitchell a minute ago. He's playing well. They continue to get, um, you know, at least something uh, off the bench. Not as much last night as maybe they've gotten before. Graham gave them – Six and three last night, which was pretty good. But, uh, you know, Council gave him 10 last night. Walsh, his point production was not as good last night, but there's a lot more to it than that. So, I mean, Walsh's playing okay. Um, it, you know, it's not just Devo. I, I don't want to make it sound like that. But, you know, right now he's, um, he's kind of flexing his muscles as the leader of the team. Joseph didn't have, a, a like, a huge game last night. You mentioned Jalen Graham coming off the bench. Mikel Mitchell right now, Chuck, is day-to-day. How important is it for Graham when he's given these situations to provide a spark as he did last night with some of those throwdown dunks? Well, each 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 game's different. I mean, um, you know, dunks are worth two points, just, just like another shot is. And so, I mean, it's good to have that. I'm not minimizing that, but I'm saying that, you know, you, you've got to do it on both ends. And... You know, Graham's kind of like all the others. I mean, when he's playing well defensively, he'll play. And uh, when he's not, he won't. 
And so that's, um, you know, last night they got a little punch from him off the bench. But my point is, is that, you know, um, they're, they're, they're continuing to have at least one player every game, give them a little something off the bench. And I don't think this team needs to have a bunch of points off the bench to win, but they need a little bit. And, um, you know, you, uh, you can't fall off defensively. I mean, last night, what did they play, eight guys last night? So, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of drop-off defensively there. And you're going to need to bring it again on Saturday. Baylor is a very offensive, potent team, but you've shown at least at home you can do it. On the road, we'll have to wait and see. It's kind of weird. Chuck, do you – I know Tommy likes the matchups, not necessarily where it is in the schedule. Do you like the break in conference play that we have this week in between the Big 12 and the SEC? Well, personally, I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, my my – feeling i mean i would i would rather him continue to play conference games i like the uh, the challenges like for example you know the sec acc challenge that's coming up i like all that i think it's good for college basketball and i realize that they don't want to have it while you're still playing football mm-hmm. uh, because that takes away from it so i understand the idea that you know we the only place we can really do it and get maximum exposure is to do it now but I uh, I don't like it in football either. I I, I think that um, I like to keep playing conference games. I think that keeps your edge. There's the other SEC teams that were action last night. You had Kentucky and Vanderbilt. You've got some decent games on tonight. Chuck, it, it sure seems to me Tommy put Bama and Tier 1 of our Pradco Pyramid of Power. They seem like they've separated themselves. It looks like Tennessee-Auburn, the only two other ranked teams on that Tier 2 level. Tennessee has a struggle at scoring at times. What have you thought about kind of the dynamic change within this conference where it seems to have dropped off a little bit in that middle part? Oh, I don't know. I think we'll have to see as we go forward whether it's dropped off or not. Um, I think we've gotten into league play and teams are beating up on each other. And, you know, with the nature of the game in college basketball now, you know, you don't really hit your stride until you get past the first of the year because everybody's got new rosters all the time. You know, I think when you look at our league right now, there's no question. Right now, Alabama's playing better than anybody else. I think Tennessee's really good defensively, and um, that you know that would be a you know that'd be a heck of a game. Whatever problems Kentucky had, they seem to be correcting. Uh, Kentucky's playing better. They're a lot better than they were two weeks ago. I think they kind of hit bottom uh, with that loss to South Carolina. And sometimes you do have to hit bottom. I thought Arkansas hit bottom over Vanderbilt in that second half, and um, you know, Arkansas has played better since, and Kentucky's kind of been in a similar spot. So, But I do think Alabama right now is the team to beat, but uh, there are some teams out there that can beat them. I don't think Alabama's going to run the table. I think they lose at Auburn. Uh, I don't know where that other loss is going to come from, but I think they lose in the jungle. It's football playoff and bowl season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings with 64-inch TVs everywhere, cold beer, delicious burgers, and you-know wings. Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch all the playoff and bowl games. So bring the gang and join us this playoff and bowl season at our Conway, Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, and Fort Smith locations. Buffalo Wild Wings, your home for the big games. Roar! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. 
Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. Eric Musselman talked about this game and the meeting to his team's locker room last night when it came to match it up against LSU again. We were extremely excited to play this game based on how the game went down in Baton Rouge. I thought we had a group that was really motivated the last 48 hours. And as we got closer and closer to tip-off, there was no external motivation needed. That locker room, I feel like, was extremely motivated to play this game. Chuck, the proof's in the pudding. This team locked them up from the jump, and LSU really, outside of that little run they had in the second half, couldn't recover from last night. Yeah, they were ready to play. Arkansas was ready to play. They came out. You can tell if the team's ready to play by how they guard. And they came out. And they, you know, they There was an intensity there that you just don't see in every game. And I know LSU's not, you know, you're not playing a top-ten team. It wasn't like that. But you know, paybacks are part of it, as we were discussing a little bit earlier. And I think they've left Baton Rouge with a really bad taste in their mouths. And, you know, players chirp. I mean, we've seen it. We've talked about it. They talk and they pay attention when one says something the other one doesn't like. And so uh, they took some of that stuff to heart after that game and they wanted to get a shot at them again. Yeah, they did. They got exactly that. 60-40, to 40, the final. Uh, it was a lot of fun watching that team do what they did last night. Bay Fall, who's a future Razorback, was named in a McDonald's All-American yesterday. A little disappointed that Layden Blocker didn't get named that as well. Uh, but back-to-back years uh, for McDonald's All-Americans for Eric Musselman and this basketball team. Got an announcement from Coach Pittman and the Arkansas staff yesterday that Deron Wilson has been named the Razorbacks' new secondary coach. Don't know a lot about this guy. He's coached at Florida, McNeese State, UTSA, played at Southern Miss as well. Uh, but they're going, looks like young, Chuck, like we were talking about early in the first hour. Yeah, recruiting's a lot of it, I'm sure. I, I'm sure recruiting's a lot of it. You've got to have the total package now, and you've probably got to be on some guys that, um, you know, you've got a chance to bring with you. That's just kind of how it works now. But, you know, I know this. The, I don't know a lot about him. You're right, and, and we're all going to learn about him as we go. Um, what caught my eye, frankly, was that he'd coached down there at UTSA under Jeff Trailer, who I think was the best coach on Chad Morris's staff. And uh, I say that respectfully to a lot of good coaches, but I think Trailer's exceptional. And um, the fact that he coached there, I think, speaks speaks well of him he's a legend in the state of texas had a great track record in high school he's had success at utsa and uh yeah he's doing it down there that's gonna do it for your hog update brought to you by mr sparky you don't have to put up with any malarkey call 888 chuck i did see this note this morning i was curious we don't get to talk a lot of baseball with you but Eight years ago today, Rob Manfred took over for Bug Sealer, who's the commissioner of the MLB. What are your thoughts on Rob Manfred and what he's done as his time in commissioner? I know you like baseball, and I was just curious your thoughts. Well, I don't really think about it a lot. I mean, there's some things, some, you know, I don't like the way the game's played right now, but I don't think he has anything to do with that. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, there's some things I. You know, I lose track of time. I don't know which one of the commissioners did away with home field advantage coming from the All-Star game. I think that was a good move. Um, I don't like the second base rule and extra innings. I think that's softballish, and uh, I don't think they ought to do that. But, 
you know, the, the, the way the game's played has changed a lot over the last, you know, 10 years. I mean, it's just been remarkable. But I don't know that the commissioner has anything to do with that. I just – I see some fans, and, I again, I didn't grow up watching baseball, Chuck, but I was – I know you have, and especially the Cardinals fan. I was curious your opinion on that. Well, I, I you know, the commissioner's job is to make the owners money when you get right down to it. I mean, the commissioner works for the owners. Pick your sports pro league. And Major League Baseball's financial health – even though from, a, from many perspectives the sport is dying, from a financial perspective, I mean, they're making money hand over fist. I mean, they're making money hand over fist. So to sit here and say that his tenure's been bad, I don't know that you can. I mean, this is a private enterprise. This is a money-making operation. Uh, that's what they're doing. The thing that I don't like about baseball, and I don't know that the commissioner can do this. I don't know. Um you know, like, for example, in the National League this year, you out of 15 teams, you only had eight of them that were trying. Everybody else was tanking. And so the thing that I don't like about the way the structure's set up right now is that, you know, you've got six, was six playoff spots, you know. So in the National League, if you got eight teams trying, um, you know, there's a pretty good chance if you're one of those teams trying, you're going to get in the playoffs. Cardinals are a good example. They try. But, um, you know, they're not going to win the World Series, but they're going to get in the postseason. But I don't think that means as much as it once did. That, to me, that's one of the things that really plagues not just baseball, but particularly baseball, is fan bases have got to feel a sense of hope when the season begins. And I don't know how anyone, for example, is a Pittsburgh Pirates fan or a Baltimore <laughs> Orioles fan. <Phil. laughs> how, do you, how do you pull that off? I mean, how do you do that? Because, you know, maybe once in your lifetime, maybe once in your lifetime you're good. Uh, the rest of the time you're not only not going to be good, you're going to be bad. You're going to be awful. And they need to do something about the competitive balance of power. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know what the answer is. But I know when only half the teams in your league are trying, then there's an issue there. But, again, they're, they're making so much money off TV right now. TV money is insane for all sports that the financial health is good and at the end of the day, that's what the owners are going to judge the commissioner on. You come back to parity. I think in the NFL it's unique. Where three years ago the Bengals were horrible. Burrow had the ACL. It's come back from that. Then back-to-back years they've been in the AFC championship game. I know the the Kansas City Chiefs, I think, have been four or five straight of those. You've got the Eagles, who have won a Super Bowl in the last five or six years. They're back in the NFC Championship game, and the 49ers have had success as well. The, the NFL has such a unique model with draft picks, with the scheduling setup. I mean, there's a reason you see teams come out of the woodwork and then wind up in conference championship games in the Super Bowl. That model is so superb relative to any other sport, I feel like. Well, that's, that's part of the reason the NFL is the king. I mean, that's why they are the king. They, 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 in terms of sports, they're the undisputed king. In terms of involvement, spectators, TV, the whole deal. And that's, that's, that's part of it. But, you know, if, if, if you want to lay all that at the feet of the baseball commissioner because baseball is not that way, I guess you can. Um, I've never been one of those guys that's been one to rail against uh, the commissioner. I think they all love the game. I used to get mad at Bud Selig, but Bud Selig loves the game. I have no question about that. Um, but, you know, they got some issues, but they go, you know, maybe beyond the commissioner's office. 
At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Chuck, one of the things this team was doing really good in non-conference play was forcing turnovers. They forced 15 last night. Now, they like to get that number up even more, but they outscored LSU in points off turnovers and fast break points. That's got to be two stats that Arkansas wins the rest of the way if they want to have a chance kind of coming back in conference play. Well, it's always a telling stat, that's for sure. And a lot of times it's in your favor when you play at home. It seems like it works out that way. And Arkansas was able to force some turnovers last night. Beyond that, you know, they, they contested most every shot. And they made it difficult for LSU to get into their offense. Um, and turnovers are a byproduct of that. And I thought they were really good in that department last night. Another thing they've done well these last few games is knock down the three ball. Five of 13 last night. Devo Davis hits two for two. It's not like they're shooting Chuck a ton of them. But they've been efficient. This is not going to be the strength of this basketball team the rest of the way. But teams are definitely going to have to come out more on them, and that's going to open up driving lanes and guys get into the cup. Well, theoretically, yes. And, you know, it's nice to see them shoot well. I mean, that's the only way you get points. And so for them to be able to shoot like that, um, you know, there, there's, there's an ebb and a flow to the season. And there have been some ebbs and some flows to this one in terms of Arkansas's offense and the way they put points on the board. And, you know, 60's not setting the world on fire, but when you hold the other guys to 40, I mean, it's a blowout. So, uh, yeah, they're a lot more efficient offensively right now. There's no doubt about it. They keep Ole Miss to under 60. They keep LSU at 40. Chuck, how much of that is how good they played defensively in those games compared to just the talent that they actually played? Well, I think it was guard play. I think guard play was the difference in both those games. Uh, if you go back and you look at the Ole Miss game and the turnovers that they forced among the starting guards and the difficulty that Ole Miss had getting into their offense, I thought Arkansas's guards were the reason for that. Not the sole reason, but but a big you know a big part of it. And I think that you know we saw last night um, Arkansas was just dominant in that area and. You know, again, turnovers are a byproduct of that, but it it wasn't just turnovers. I mean, they had trouble, you know, they had trouble making passes, and I thought that that had a lot to do with the way it went last night. 
Chuck, I know that Devo was on ball, not just defending, but offensively in other games this season, but it sure seems like that Muss has put him in even more of those situations to get Anthony Black in more of a scoring role with Nick and Trevin out. I mean, this he, he tinkers, he makes moves, things that go unnoticed all the time, but to me, that's what I think one of the, the key parts of this stretch is is putting Devo more in a ball-handling role and more putting Anthony more of a scoring role, even though they both handle the rock at times. Well, they both can do it. And, you know, when you've got two guys that can do it, I mean, it, it, it gives you options. And um, both those guys have been effective in that area. Now, look, Arkansas on the road has suffered a lot of the same fate that, you know, Ole Miss and LSU did. They've struggled, you know, to – to, to keep possession of the ball out front. And you look at some of the turnovers for Arkansas's guards, Devo included, Anthony Black included. I mean, they've had games where there's been a high turnover number. And, again, you look at, you know, over the course of the season, it always seems as though the the turnover numbers favor you when you play at home. And that's going to continue, I suspect, to be the case. Um, they may not win the turnover battle every time. Uh, they may not win the points off turnovers every time. You can still win a game without winning in that category, but um, there's no doubt that that's an area that, as we move forward, is going to be really important. Have you since fans the last few games start to get, because we've seen the team itself gain confidence, but have you seen a tide turn of sorts from the fan base and what they kind of think about this basketball team? Well, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, maybe so. I think winning does that, you know, when you win a game. And I think also the the trust that our fan base has in Muss and this coaching staff based on what's happened the last couple of years. I think that, um, you know, fans expect a turnaround. And I think people are smart. We've got an educated fan base. They know what's going on. Um, they're smart enough to, you know, look at the schedule and see what's coming up and see the opportunity to win some games. I, you know, when I looked at the – when you look at the SEC schedule kind of in totality, it's difficult at the start. You've got some areas in the middle where, you know, you can make up some ground, and they're in the midst of that right now, I think. And then you're going to have a really, really tough back end. I mean, look at those last three <sighs> games. Uh, I mean, it is a murderer's row at the end. So, um, you know, you've, you've, you've got to take care of your business right now. And hopefully while you're doing that, you're getting better. And so when you get to that final stretch, you're you're more equipped than you were. And I think they are. I think they're better equipped now than they were two weeks ago. And I think if you continue to see that kind of progression, um, they're going to have a shot. I mean, they're going to have a shot. And um, I think that people, again, I, I think they trust this staff because they've seen it before. The, the shot you talked about, Ch Tommy used the words free shot earlier this Saturday. I don't know how many people expect Arkansas to go into Baylor and win that basketball game. I know this team itself and the coaching staff have confidence they can do so, but this would be your best win of the season if you're able to achieve that. But it's also not the, if you do lose down in Waco, Chuck, it's not the end of the world based on how good of a quality team the Bears are this year. Well, Baylor's good, and they're playing well right now, and it's 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 going to be a tough chore. All that really matters, though, are, are the people on the plane. You know, do they believe they can win? Um, if they believe they can win, you got a shot. It doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. And I'm sure they'll circle the wagons and – It'll be Arkansas against the world Saturday afternoon down there at Baylor. And you'll play that game, and hopefully you play well. If you can get a win, I mean, it'd be a huge win.
Then you come back home and you've got a really big game with Texas A&M, and then you go to South Carolina, and you get back into that stretch where you think, all right, we gotta, we got some games here. We can win. We got to make up some ground. So I think you go down there to Baylor, and man, you just, you know, you play your butt off, and you see what happens, and hopefully, uh, some of the things that have plagued them on the road. Um, as a result of what we've seen the last week, hopefully some of those things will, uh, you know, go better than maybe they've gone. They're going to need to have a better performance, 60 points. Defensively, you'd love them to shut down the Baylor guards like they were able to. LSU, it's a little stiffer competition that you'll be facing in Waco on Saturday. But kind of the linchpin in all this has been Devontae Davis, who you've spoken to. You got a chance to be up close and personal on Monday night, as you did last night, just watching him and discussing him. You talked about him being in his element of sorts. You're saying this is the maybe not the happiest, but the, the most confident he's been in himself maybe since freshman year. Well, maybe so. And, you know, I think that, you know, Devo feeds off our fans. Um, I think, you know, Devo likes to feel the love. Devo's <laughs> one of those guys that, you know, uh, sometimes needs to be encouraged. Every person's different. Everybody's different. Everybody responds to different things. And, um, I, you know, I think, I just think his frame of mind right now, when you watch the way he carries himself and, you know, I've done this long enough that I watch that as much as I watch what happens on the floor because I think your body language and how you carry yourself and you know just the way you get on the plane, the way you get off the bus. I mean, I just think all that stuff matters. And um, you know, Devo's doing that right now. He's not the only one. I mean, he's not the only one. He's the fan favorite, but he's not the only one that's doing it. And um, but he's the one that's been through it the most, and so he's the one you look to and. Um, you know, I, I think he's, uh, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I, I don't, I'm not going to go so far as to say the team will go as far as Devo takes them. I think that's an overstatement, but I think that for this team to make the run that we all want him to make, Devo's got to be the leader of this team. Chuck, one of the questions Musselman was asked about Monday night at Sassy's was uh, the bracketology stuff. And he said, we don't really pay attention to that. We're worried about what's going on in the locker room. I know Lenardi right now has you as a team that's in the NCAA tournament. When do you think that that's going to become something that not just fans, but really people within that staff are looking at it and more in depth? Is that like right before the SEC tournament? How close are we to we get that point, you think? Well, I do think they pay attention to things like net. I do think they keep up with that. Um, I don't know that the bracketology is something that you pay attention to, but I think things like net numbers and such that lead ultimately to the, you know, to the accurate bracketology at the end. I do think you pay attention to those, and I believe they do. Um, I think they understand net rankings, and in fact, I know they do, and I know that they, uh, as all staffs do, uh, keep an eye on that. But you know. The main thing you've got to do is just make sure your team's ready when you get to that point to play those games. And, you know, we all came into this. um, You know, we were talking about SEC championships and booking our hotel rooms in Houston and all that for the Final Four. You know, I think, you know, expectations change sometimes as you move through the year. Your circumstances change. And Arkansas did when they lost Brazil and when, uh, you know, Smith went out. I mean, you know, you're – your, your circumstances change. And so um, what I look at with this team right now, and, and, and I do think overall this is the way they look at it, that, you know, you're rebuilding in a sense, and they have been throughout the month of January, and you're getting toward the end of the month now, and it's better than it was at the start of the month. And, you know, you hope that 
30 days from now, you look up and you're still better. I mean, you're still getting better. And you get to March, and maybe you've got Nick back then. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Who knows? But um, at that point, you're playing your best ball. And whether you're seated five or whether you're seated nine or wherever you fall in there, um, you know, you got a chance to win some games and do something. Chuck, I got to ask you about this. And I know you got a million things you're doing during the broadcast, but did you hear what happened to Marty Smith with the exchange with Boss Hog last night? I don't know uh, what happened. Somebody said something about it to me, but I didn't catch all the details. Chuck, what happened? Chuck, listen to this. So apparently Boss Hog, big old blow up that everyone knows about, got a little too excited when he was around Marty and spilled Marty's coffee on his computer, on his phone, on his uh, his stats and notes. So when they when Tom Harden Dykes pitched to him, you could just tell that his stuff is soaked in coffee right now. I don't know if that's ever happened to you and you know, on technology or anything like that, but he took it on the chin and I'll give him credit. He 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 worked through it last night, but it was a kind of an entertaining part last night. I've spilled coffee. In fact, I spilled coffee at a game a couple of weeks ago, so uh, <laughs> I know that feeling. It's uh, it's not fun. And the worst part, I mean, if it if it's piping hot, now you probably at at the point there's just it, it cooled down a little bit. But the worst is where it's piping hot and you spill it on yourself. There's there's nothing worse than spilling hot coffee and it burning your skin or whatever. Well, I, I haven't done that, but I've uh, spilled it on papers, and that ink certainly runs <laughs> when you do that. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. So uh, I, you know, hey, it was um, yeah, it was a. I didn't watch it on television. I'll watch it at some point today, but uh, I'm sure they had fun with it. Yeah, they definitely uh, they definitely gave him a little hard time about that. There's no question about yeah. it. Hey, let's talk about money for just a second. I don't know how many of you have had a chance to listen to the Mach 1 Financial Moment podcast, but it's really good. There are some changes this year if you, uh, in terms of your retirement accounts. Um, you know, that's something that we all think about regardless of our stage in life, but as we get a little bit older, we think about more. I think you'll enjoy the latest episode of the Mach 1 Market Moment. Local financial professionals discuss the changes, uh, and there are rule changes, major rule changes this year as it pertains to your retirement account. Now, you can go to Mach1FG.com to listen to it. That's Mach, M-A-C-H, the number one, Mach1FG.com. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Bentonville, Arkansas. For full disclosures, visit Mach1Financial.com slash disclosures. Chuck, I know you and I are in, in different vantage points, you being Voice of the Razorbacks, me being a, a media member, so we don't have to worry ever about ticket prices for games. But I know that's something that for our listeners, that it, it's a talking point, not just daily, weekly, and and every year, I saw that the cheapest tickets available for the NFC Championship game at 50 are starting at $650. Is that just one of those things, sports, when it comes to tickets, that there's there's no going back? Like, tickets are just going to be outrageous in certain times? Are, are we ever going to see a point where there's a median level and a, a cheaper for fans? And so, or is that just because it's a conference championship game? No, we're not ever going to see it go back. And just like anything else, prices are only going to go up. Uh, no, I don't anticipate the ticket system changing. The, You know, the leagues have all gotten in bed with the ticket brokers. You know, for a long time, the ticket brokers were the enemy uh, for, you know, teams, schools, pro teams, whatever. Uh, now they've gotten in bed with them. They, uh, they're, they're sponsors. They take their money. <laughs> and so they're partners. And so as a result... Um, you know, you got a lot more of that 
going on. And uh, no, I don't. I don't think it's going to change, unfortunately. And I know for fans that were wanting to try and buy Hogpen tickets yesterday and the day before for Razorback Foundation members and the general public to see Hog Picket Weekend got sold out immediately. It was crazy how how much that went by, but. I just, it's not just this state thing. I just think, I don't know if unfair is the right word, but it's it, it's hard sometimes for the fan that can't shell out $10,000 on donations to to not get a chance to, to see these games in person. I know that was one of my favorite experiences growing up. Well, it's changed. I mean, baseball's changed, and schools have figured out that with the popularity of the game right now, and college baseball is popular in our part of the country. It's not popular in all parts of the country, but it's popular in our part of the country. And the schools in the SEC particularly have, you know, figured out that they can make a little money off baseball. Not a lot, uh, but a little, enough to make it pay for itself in a lot of places. Most places are still going to lose money off of it, but uh, some are going to break even and some will make a little bit. Um, but it's a, um, you know, more and more as the popularity grows, there's the demand for tickets. And, um, you know, it's kind of like anything else. I mean, you get what you can get. And schools are doing that. All schools are doing that. And, you know, it's um, um, anytime you do something like this, I know that people who've been there every step of the way are upset. And, and I get that. I get that. Um, but I also think that, you know, the people that wanted to go watch the Razorbacks play baseball last year had an opportunity to do that. Not every game. Sometimes they had to work a little bit to find tickets. But they, most of the time, had an opportunity to be there. And um, I think that'll be the case again this year. Listen to this, Chuck. Our, our friend Daniel Blue over at Willier, Willard Power Sports, he's bought $7,200 worth of tickets for the Kansas City Bengals game this weekend because he'd find a seat, he like it better, and they just keep the old ones. Now, he's going to keep two of them for him and his wife to go at some point this weekend and sell the rest. But I, I just think about some of the, 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 the tickets people buy up sometimes just trying to figure out seats because they want the best vantage point. When, he, when, it, uh, when a buddy told me that, I was like, wow, that's, uh, that's something right there. Well, you know, it's all relative. I can remember when I was young, you know, you'd uh, – you try to find tickets for Razorback games and, you know, maybe you needed two and you'd end up with four or six and, you know, you'd mix and match and sell and maybe you got yours a little bit cheaper than face value and you ended up in the best seat among the lot. So lots of people do that. It's all relative. We did it for 50 bucks. Now it's 7,200. <laughs> so, but, uh, um, I understand a lot of people do that too. You know, we talk a lot about the Cowboys, but I can tell you in Northwest Arkansas, there are a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans. There are a lot of fans that go up routinely uh, for ball games in Kansas City, and they laugh at the rest of us when we talk about the Cowboys, and that's just the truth. Um, there is a very solid Kansas City Chiefs fan base in Northwest Arkansas, North Central Arkansas. Uh, they've been going up there for a while. And there'll be a lot of people from Northwest Arkansas that are, you know, up there again. And they'll keep going. The Chiefs are their team. And I don't know, you know, it's, it's different, I think, in other parts of Arkansas, very honestly. But in Northwest Arkansas, um, there are a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans, and a bunch of them are going to be at that ball game, I'm sure. At some point in time, the Hunts, Andy Reid, and that that management group is going to draft a razor back, and it's only going to be because you've got connections at a couple different NFL teams, and most notably Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. But 
being as close in proximity to KC as Northwest Arkansas is, yeah, you can see why. And it helps when you have the best quarterback in the NFL at Patrick Holmes, even though he's dealing with that high ankle sprain. That's going to be a great game this weekend. Well, I, I just think the Chiefs are kind of like the Cowboys. I mean, it's a bonus if you've got a Razorback play in there. But, you know, Chiefs fans are going to be Chiefs fans. They're not Chiefs fans because there is or isn't a Razorback there. They're Chiefs fans because of Mahomes and the success that that team's had. Yeah, it'd be nice if you had a player up there, but – um, you know, people are fans of their teams regardless of who plays for them. Dallas Cowboy fans, a lot of them in Arkansas, love Dre Greenlaw, but they weren't pulling for him Sunday night. <laughs> they were seeing their light flash before their eyes when he almost had that pick six in that game. Uh, it was Sunday. pretty much over by then anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but my point is, you're right. It'd be nice if they had one up there, but they're still going to root for him regardless. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.